Richard Leon can't keep everyone happy. Half the city <laughs> thinks I'm a tree butcher, the other half thinks I'm a tree hugger. As Jacksonville's urban forestry manager, he's in charge of all of the city's trees, which he says are helping fight climate change. Because Jacksonville's trees remove thousands of tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere every year. Welcome to the ADAPT Podcast. I'm Brandon Rivers, a reporter at WJCT News in Jacksonville, Florida. ADAPT is our online magazine about how people in Northeast Florida are adapting to the effects of climate change, like sea level rise. In this podcast, we're hearing from some of them about what they've learned and what motivates them as they grapple with big issues. Richard's held the role of urban forestry manager for about four years now. Some kids grow up wanting to be an astronaut or a baseball player, but not Richard. I've always wanted to be the city forester of a city. I've always wanted to run, you know, a city forestry program. Explain, what what is an urban forest manager? What do you do? Oh, gosh. That, <laughs> that, that's a good one. I, I, was, uh, I always joke, you know, if you're on like a dating app or something like that, I always joke that girls want to know two things. They want to know how tall you are. And they want to know what you do for work. And try to explain what it, <laughs> sometimes I wish I was just an, an, an accountant or something. I could say, oh, I'm an accountant. Everybody knows what that is. But trying to explain what an urban forester does is, is really difficult. Basically, I'm responsible for all the trees on city property in the city of Jacksonville. But a parks department reaches out to me all the time to go inspect their trees and, you know, assess if they need to come down. So we got about 10 guys that work for the city of Jacksonville, and they do a great job. And we have two bucket trucks, and we go out and do, you know, as much work as we can. That accounts for about 20% of my workforce. Uh, the other 80% is contracted out. But it's not just taking them down. We also put them up. So we have a couple of programs for replanting trees. Basically, I'm kind of like the <laughs> the Lorax here in, in, <laughs> in Jacksonville, so to say. But, but people don't realize a, a lot more goes into it. It's not just, you know, landscaping. It's not just mowing grass. Trees are very complex. I do want to spend a bit of time talking about all the benefits that trees provide because it really is kind of amazing when you dig into it. So I want to start out with the most obvious, uh, especially in this conversation, we're talking about climate change. So carbon storage and sequestration. And please feel free to give a little crash course on photosynthesis. I, I learned about that in like eighth grade, so it's been a little while. Well, that's basically what a tree is. It's basically just water and carbon, water and stored carbon in the form of wood. We did a street tree inventory, actually. I'm glad that you bring this up, of all streets uh, in the city of Jacksonville. We randomly sampled 4% of all city roads. And I wanted to do this inventory for two reasons. I wanted to know what is the value of this resource that we're managing? And I also want to know what is the condition of it? And so when you bring up climate change and carbon sequestration, these are just street trees. These aren't all trees in Jackson, just trees within the right of our city streets. Our street trees alone store 262,000 tons of carbon. That's on top of the nearly 7,500 tons of carbon the trees suck up each year for a total atmosphere cleaning service valued at more than $46 million. To me, that, that was amazing. But trees don't just capture and store carbon. They also indirectly reduce pollution by decreasing energy consumption. In Florida, it's hot pretty much year-round, and people tend to blast the AC. Well, tree shade keeps buildings cooler. 
So thanks to the city's trees, people who live in houses and apartments in Jacksonville are estimated to save more than $1.2 million on AC a year. And those energy savings translate to 2,000 tons of carbon that don't have to be released by fossil fuel-based power plants. And I think so many people view trees as a, just an aesthetic commodity, more part of our landscaping, almost more like a grass or a shrub or something like that. Yeah. And for me, my biggest push is to advocate that we need to view our trees as a part of our urban infrastructure because of all the environmental benefits they give us. Mitigating stormwater runoff is a big thing that they do, especially mm -hmm. here in Jacksonville. We have a lot of rain. We have a lot of flat areas. I live in the Riverside Avondale area, and just on a normal afternoon storm, you know, we have standing water everywhere. I, I'm not a good cook, but I, <laughs> I can make tacos. So, you know, when I'm cleaning the cilantro, I'll, I'll rinse it underneath the, the faucet, and then I'll, I'll shake it, and water will just kind of keep keep coming out of it as I'm shaking it. And it's kind of like our trees. So water has both adhesive and cohesive properties. So water molecules adhere to each other and they'll adhere to the surface of things. All the leaf area, all that surface area, when the rains start, that's starting to accumulate water. Now there's going to be a point where that tree saturated and then the rest just comes through as through fall. But at least for the very beginning peak, those trees are, are helping. And then after the storm events over, that water is either slowly dripping back down or it's evaporating out. So if you have rain just hitting hard on a ditch bank with no trees there, it's going to erode away that ditch bank a lot quicker than if you have a tree there. The branches and the leaves are basically, the rain's hitting that first, and then it's slowing down that velocity before it hits uh, the ditch bank. So trees help to uh, prevent erosion in that way as well. Trees provide other benefits too. There's a scientist out there, her name's Kathleen Wolf, and I've been reading a lot of her studies and it's really cool, and people don't think about it, but she does studies on more of the social side of, of trees and how trees help to lower crime rates. There's a lot of studies that show that neighborhoods with nice tree canopies have lower crime, uh, lower asthma rates in areas with higher tree canopies because trees help bring pollution out of the air. Property value rates are higher. Also, there's studies that show that people spend more money in shopping areas with nice tree canopies. So we have an estimated 500,000 street trees you know, in the city of Jacksonville. I hope to increase that number. Um, that's one of the reasons why we started the 630 City you know, Tree Planting Program, where you know, residents can call in and request a tree to be planted in the right of way in front of their home. And hopefully as we fast forward 5, 10, 15, 20 years, more of those streets will be covered in shade. Jacksonville residents can call 630 City and ask for trees. If you call, you'll be put in touch with Richard and his colleagues, and they'll come plant one or two trees in your yard for free. All you have to do is water it. I tagged along for a tree planting with Richard. Um, you know, it's great. Really, the residents are our eyes and ears in the field. You know, they're out there showing us because we have money to plant trees in the city. Um, what I don't want is just to put trees in people's you know, front yards, even though it's a city right away. A lot of people consider it their front yard. So what I don't want to do is just put trees all willy nilly in people's front yards and have them come home and there's a tree there. They don't want it. So the good thing about this program is they're requesting the trees. They're identifying places where we can plant trees. The 630 City Tree Planting Program is funded by the city's tree fund, which developers have to contribute to when they remove trees. The city's tree fund has about $26 million in it, and that comes from, and, and we're blessed to have that. A lot of cities don't have a tree fund, but it, it's a blessing and a curse. So it, it's a blessing to have a, a tree fund with that much money in it, but also it comes from removing trees, <laughs> So if the trees were never removed in the first, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, 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 it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse. But so what we're, we're in talks of now is actually 
using some of those funds to redesign sidewalks downtown to incorporate trees uh, with enough space to grow and become mature. Because a lot of these trees aren't growing to their full biological potential. You know, they're growing, and when they start to outgrow their space, they start to, you know, die off. And we're planting trees that have a 15, 20-year cycle, and we're just replacing them, replacing them, replacing them. So what sort of challenges have you faced? What are the things that you struggle with as you're trying to get more trees planted in Jacksonville? I mean, there's about a million people in the Jacksonville area, and there's a lot of residents. And when you do something like our 630 City Tree Planting Program, trying to coordinate with every person who calls in to request a tree and relay that information to our contractor, and then for that contractor to order all the specified trees and then get them in and then make sure all those trees meet our specifications. And then, you know, a lot of people want to be notified right before we plant the tree. And just with the sheer volume of trees, I mean, if we notified every single person Mm -hmm. and arranged it to meet on site while we're planting the tree, it would probably take us two, three years to plant all the trees that we have lined up. I've seen it before. One of the spouses didn't agree to the tree and (laughs) we show up and they didn't want it. And and then they said, oh, we don't want this anymore. And I was like, goodness, did you, you realize the amount of planning yeah. it took to get this tree right here? But like I said, even though it is city right away, we don't want to just, you know, kind of shove trees down people's throats and just, hey, you're going to take this tree. But overwhelmingly, the overwhelming response of this program has, has been nothing but nothing but positive. The more my team and I can you know, through proper urban forest management help to improve this city's urban forestry, we're affecting things on the periphery that we wouldn't traditionally think we're affecting, like asthma rates, like uh, crime rates, like property values and, you know, retail uh, values and things like that. I think through proper urban forest management, we help to mitigate all these issues and even issues that people don't even really think about. You're listening to the Adapt Podcast. I'm Lindsay Kilbride, and I helped Brendan edit these interviews. Something that really stuck out to me throughout this project is how much prep work goes into reporting on sea level rise and climate change. You know, Brendan actually reads scientific journals so he can get experts to clearly explain complicated science. And another thing that comes through in his work, he's passionate about understanding and explaining sea level rise and the solutions too. Climate change to me and to a lot of people who are really immersed in this world is the biggest story of our time, maybe the biggest story in human existence. I mean, it's an existential threat to the way we live and it's going to impact every aspect of life. Um, And I think it's just not reported on enough. I mean, it's, it's improving. More people are doing it. There are more stories out there, but especially from a local perspective, local climate change stories are pretty rare. But that's the most important thing if you want to try to get people to actually care about this issue. They need to see and understand how it's going to impact them, their friends, their family. To see photos of all the people you're hearing from along with written Q&As, visit adaptflorida.org. While you're there, check out videos about local community efforts and read about how climate change is affecting us today. The ADAPT podcast is a production of WJCT Public Media. Financial support for ADAPT comes from our readers and listeners. 
with additional support from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations and the 2040 Foundation. More at adaptflorida.org. Now let's get back to our conversation with Richard Leon, Jacksonville's urban forestry manager. Last year, the city hired a Virginia nonprofit called the Green Infrastructure Center to study its tree canopy. The canopy is the layer of leaves and branches that cover the ground when viewed from above. You know, I think essentially they said we're like over 50% canopy covered, but that's the entire city. And the issue with Jacksonville is that it's such a large city. I think it's like 800-something square miles. I mean, Cary State Forest is a part of the city of Jacksonville. I mean, it's within our city limits, and that's a state forest. The two areas... With the lowest canopy covers, obviously it's downtown because you have a lot of gray infrastructure there. And then also, this might be surprising to some people, but the beaches community, so Neptune, Atlantic, and Jacksonville Beach have the lowest canopy cover. I think the next step is trying to advocate for some of these beach communities to really look at planting more shade trees because they do have the lowest canopy cover out of all of the 14 council districts. So there was one stat that really jumped out at me from this report. It says... During an average volume rainfall event in Jacksonville over a 24-hour period, the city's trees take up an average of nearly 1.4 billion gallons of water, which is equivalent to about 2,100 Olympic swimming pools of water. During that same storm, if the city were to lose just 10% of its tree canopy, runoff would increase by more than 250 million gallons. So if we lose even just that small percentage of our tree canopy, will catastrophic flooding events become more frequent in Jacksonville? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, you know, being a resident in the Riverside Avondale area, I see even after our afternoon showers, we have standing water all over the place. You know, trees are going to hold on to, they're going to retain some of that water through the adhesive and cohesive properties of water. It's going to, you know, basically adhere to the surface area of, of trees. You think of all that surface area on there. Only for the beginning of the storm event, then once it becomes saturated, all of it goes in, in, into runoff. Then after the storm event, trees are like little, they're like, not little, but trees are like pumps. I mean, they're constantly pumping. So the water will absorb into the roots, It'll travel up the tree's vascular system. It'll get to the leaves, has these little things called stomata that open up. And when they open, the water evaporates out of the tree. So they're kind of like little pumps always pulling groundwater out. So more tree canopy is going to help with the with the runoff and everything. And then more tree canopy is also going to help with standing water issues after the storm events. And so we've also had some powerful hurricanes in recent years. And and scientists say climate change will make hurricanes more intense going forward. Do powerful hurricanes pose a threat to our tree canopy? I, I mean, yes and no. I mean, yes, they do. Obviously, we've had a ton of trees come down. And since I've been here in four years, we've had Tropical Storm Hermaine, Hurricane Matthew, Hurricane Irma, and then whatever Dorian was. We had a couple of trees come down. It wasn't that bad. But yeah, they, they pose a threat to our, our tree canopy. But the more people get apprehensive about trees, the more they cut their trees down, the more they're susceptible to high winds. What I don't want to see is people taking trees down left and right because they're afraid they might fall and then leaving some other trees that had you know minimal wind exposure now having full wind exposure. So trees in a forest-like setting, they actually help to reduce wind speeds. So actually planting more trees could help protect the tree canopy. I think so. Absolutely. And, and are there specific species of tree that are better than others or specific species that are worse than others? Well, obviously, the, the larger trees, the better. The benefits of trees increase exponentially 
with the size of the tree. And I think that's why it's so important not only to have a reforestation effort, but also to have a tree preservation effort so we're not losing these, these large trees. What a lot of people don't realize is that tree, when it's planted, there's a time where it's actually more of a drain on the environment than a benefit to the environment. People don't realize that. So if you account for all the emissions it takes to plant that tree and the watering of that tree and having to get that tree established and everything that goes into planting that tree, there's actually, it's more of a drain on the environment for the first couple years. And so it's really not only until that tree starts to establish itself and it starts to grow where it starts to, starts to give back. And a lot of people don't realize that. And Richard says it's important to preserve dead trees where possible because they provide valuable habitat. In fact, researchers say lack of deadwood in urban areas is a big reason why cities tend to lack wildlife diversity. Where possible and where appropriate, it's important to let trees run through that natural cycle because a decaying tree provides benefits that no young, healthy tree can ever provide. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's your vision for urban forestry in Jacksonville going forward? Going forward, well, I would like to have that um, 630 City tree planting program be an ongoing thing. Um, I would like it just to be indefinite. Anybody can call the city whenever, and we can be out there and have a tree planted in their front in their front lawn. Um, I would like to, you know, like I said, work with some of these developers and have them reach out. You know, I'm not saying I want to be involved in any sort of regulatory capacity, but I think it'd be nice, you know, someone wants to reach out, and you know, I'd love to work with them on something like that. My, my goal, and I would love this, would be um, to have Jacksonville be a city that other cities look towards for inspiration. That's Richard Leon, Jacksonville's urban forestry manager. To learn more about the services trees are providing in Jacksonville, go to adaptflorida.org. There you can get to know all six of the people profiled in this podcast. Thanks for listening to the ADAPT podcast. I'm Brandon Rivers. Production help came from Lindsay Kilbride with editing by Jessica Palumbo. The theme music was composed and performed by Davin Llewellyn and Keith Phelps from The Conglomerate. The ADAPT podcast is a production of WJCT Public Media. Financial support for ADAPT comes from our readers and listeners with additional support from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations and the 2040 Foundation. More at adaptflorida.org.